What's going on guys? It is Michael Hunter. This is the ACC Basketball Report coming at you on January 19th, 2020. Uh, you know, I, I had notes for today. There was there were specific things that I was going to go over that, that, that I think I'm still going to hit. Um, but what a wild day yesterday. Uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to go around the nation a little bit today. It's going to be a short podcast, I think. Um, you know, last week I did 92 minutes without intending to do so much on uh, the first week back. This week I'm going to try to do, <clears throat> let me uh, adjust this just a little bit. All right. You know, last week I, I didn't intend to do 92 minutes and you guys know how I get when I start rolling. Sometimes I don't even remember half the shit that I say sometimes. So we're going to talk about the games yesterday. We're going to talk about some officiating. We're going to talk about what we're looking at in the ACC, which, you know, things again, you know, predictably, you know, this, this conference has been predictably unpredictable this year. So we'll take a look at that real quick. We'll take a look at yesterday's games, some things that happened earlier in the week. I uh, hope you guys had a great weekend. And this is the ACC Basketball Report. Farrell turns the key, drives the lane with three on the shot clock. Doesn't get it. Five seconds to play. Down the floor, Okogi. He All right, so... What did we learn yesterday? We learned that we know exactly what to expect, and that is to expect the unexpected. I hate that term. It's cliche. I hear it in the construction industry all the time. One of my least favorite cliches in the world, but as far as college basketball season goes in 2019-20, it fits almost perfectly. Uh, raise your hand if you won money yesterday. Good for you. I broke even 3-3 three and three on the day, which this whole... <clears throat> You know, I've kind of made it a, a thing where I bet on all, all six games on ACC Saturday. And, you know, the week before I did pretty well. Yesterday, you know, kind of gutted some stuff out. Um, I will be, you know, I have been trying to release my betting previews that I've been doing for some third-party sites recently. So uh, I have one coming out tomorrow, tomorrow. And uh, let's see, what, what am I working on? What uh, Texas at West Virginia is the one that's going to be out tomorrow morning. Uh, a couple other that is that I released this week. Louisville at Duke from yesterday nailed that cover. I, I did call Duke winning straight up, but I did call the Louisville cover. Uh, Notre Dame at Florida State. I am not sure how I picked that game, but anyway, you know, I, I, I'm I'm right. More often than I'm wrong, sometimes I'm a little bit of a gut better, but when I actually take the time to sit down and write and evaluate these matchups, I've done pretty well in the pieces that I've done for NUP Solutions, which is uh, the outlet that I'm currently writing for. have out, uh, articles up on U.S. gambling sites, 4Flush, um, some, some Bovada-type uh, associated sites. Um, what was the other one? Spooky Express. I've done a few things. 4Flush, if I haven't said that already. Um <clears throat> Uh, let's see who else. Uh, uh, just four flush and U.S. gambling sites this week. So again, ACCBR one. I will tweet those out as they are completed and as they are released to try to help you guys out, try to make you guys some money. As far as yesterday, wow. Um, Penn State over Ohio State, not shocking, but certainly not what I expected. Ohio State on the road um, goes to Penn State. I you know I appeared on. Uh, making the madness with Jonathan Warner this week. I thought, you know, it basically came down to Chris Holtman against Pat Chambers. Pat Chambers is not somebody I have a whole lot of faith in. Um, Lamar Stevens had been kind of wishy-washy up and down lately. Uh, one of my favorite guys in the country to watch play, Penn State, comes out and, and kind of lays a whooping on Ohio State. Um, Florida takes care of Auburn. Auburn's now lost two in a row. 
Oregon uh, puts on a massive comeback against Washington, wins that game in overtime on a ridiculous shot by Peyton Pritchard. Uh, Marquette takes down Georgetown, not a big deal, I didn't think. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not a big Georgetown guy. I'm not a, a fan at all of the program going back to when I was a kid. So anytime the Hoyas lose, I'm, I'm fine. Marcus Howard, 42 points in that game. Kentucky takes care of Arkansas. I'm going to talk about this game a little bit. Nick Richards continues to be a revelation this year. Um, just a, a player that I thought was going to ride the bench a little bit behind E.J. Montgomery. Turns out he's the front court star. You know, better than Montgomery, better than Sestina, which I don't think is is a, a big shock, but Sestina was very good at Bucknell. So, you know, Nick Richards at the very least gives Kentucky a, a steady presence on the interior. It, it's the it's the it's the perimeter that they need to kind of get under control. Ashton Hagen's not really a, a phenomenal offensive talent, but he is steady, fantastic on the defensive end. Emmanuel Cookley's played very well for Kentucky as well. Uh, Arizona dispatches of Colorado fairly easily. Maryland takes care of Purdue in College Park. Uh, Houston goes to Wichita State, gets a really nice win uh, against the Shockers. I, I didn't really see that coming. I'm kind of big on Wichita State, not, uh, but not completely shocking. I think Houston's a tournament team as well. Now, the biggest, maybe the biggest shock of the day was DePaul taking care of Butler and taking care of him pretty handily. Paul Reed, 23 points, 9 rebounds. Played very well. Um, Butler now, I believe, lost two games on the season. I think that's what that is now. 15-3, uh, and three, lost two in a row. That's right. I forgot they lost to Seton Hall on, on Wednesday. So, you know, a, a couple teams that were rolling coming into this week, those two teams being Auburn and Butler, have now lost two games in a row uh, as we get into conference play. If I was going to look at either one of those teams kind of recovering, I would think it's going to be Butler. Um, just the way they play, their personnel, uh, style of play, tempo, defense, shooting. Uh, I like Butler a little bit more than I like Auburn. Auburn has some question marks, you know, up to this point. Uh, hold on one second. Uh, up to this point, Samir Doughty has been <clears throat> good enough and, and clutch enough to get Auburn those wins, but they really hadn't played anybody. So, you know, Auburn goes, you know, they play Florida, which is, I'm not going to say legit. Florida's going to make a tournament probably, currently number 35 in Ken Palm. But to lose to a Florida team that has struggled mightily so far this season by 22 points and only put 47 on the board, there's cause for concern in Auburn right now. Uh, on a note for, you know, uh, Florida, Omar Payne, 19-11, a uh, kid with a pretty big rep, but not a kid seen as going to be an immediate contributor this year. If he gives them another facet, another another quality big, another quality player, a guy that can be relied upon, Florida could turn a corner. This could be the turning point for Florida. Laying a beat down on a team that's a top seven team in the AP pool, I, I think they're a little bit lower in the Rock in 25, but... Keep an eye on Florida. If he's able to maintain that level of play, obviously he's not going to average 19 and 11 the rest of the way, but if he's a guy that can get you 9.6 rebounds, 8.5 rebounds, somewhere in there, give them a steady presence off the off the bench. And he may be averaging more than that. I don't watch a whole lot of Florida. They're boring. But, <clears throat> you know, if he's able to be a steady presence, uh, you know, keep Kerry Blackshear fresh, uh, you know, Florida, this could be a turning point for Florida. USC nips uh, Stanford last night. I'm not sure that took place in, in at USC. So Stanford at one point maybe be considered to be uh, you know the best team in the Pac-12. Uh, certainly one of the more consistent teams in the Pac-12. One of the more underrated teams in the entire nation. But uh, you know on the road, the road matters. And outside of the Big Ten, 
you know, the Big Ten home home court advantage is crazy right now. But everywhere else in the nation, it's the teams are so inconsistent that you know when you go on the road. It doesn't matter who you are. I mean, Stanford is exponentially better than USC, I think. I, I'm not sure if, if a ton of people would disagree with that, but, you know, that's a game that Stanford, you know, considering who they had beaten, you know, before on their on their, on their their schedule, they may this may be a team that they overlooked in USC. But USC gets the win. Uh, USC may be kind of turning a corner as well. Currently won three in a row in conference, four and one in the Pac-12. Stanford drops fifteen and three. Now they're you know they're still four and one in the Pac twelve with games against California and Oregon State coming up. I think Stanford will be fine as long as Terrell Terry keeps playing at a high level. I think they're going to be absolutely fine. Uh, Kansas over Texas yesterday, not a big shock there. Nine point win. Devin Dodson did end up playing twenty one points. Uh, Texas is not back. We have debated that forward and backward. But, uh, you know, it's just not there for shock. It's just not working. Jericho Sims, you know, did it all yesterday. I think 20.6 rebounds and a couple blocks, but didn't get a whole lot of help outside of, I believe, Matt Coleman had the only other, was the only other player to be in double digits in that game. Seton Hall really struggled yesterday against St. John's. Ended up pulling out the win, uh, 82-79. Miles Powell, 29 points. I can't remember how many he had after halftime, but it was a lot, and he was putting on a show in the second half. Seton Hall kind of ekes that out. Uh, Gonzaga over BYU by 23. I don't believe that Yoeli Childs played. He's got a finger issue. And then a game that we should have all been keeping an eye on yesterday is the team that's the number one team in the nation in the Rock and 25 poll. The Baylor Bears struggled mightily against Oklahoma State in Stillwater. Oklahoma State made 10 threes. Or no, was it 6 for 10? Or they made 10 threes in the first half. I don't know. They were shooting the fucking lights out anyway. And they were up. Almost the entire game, uh, Baylor, you know, comes back in the second half, pulls ahead, ends up winning by seven. Here's the thing: everyone's going to say, "Look, Baylor's not that good. Uh, Gonzaga should be number one." You know, you can hear the Gonzaga fans already saying. It. You can see it on Twitter. Gonzaga Twitter is ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> here's the thing. You're, you're not going to hit 15 threes every game. You're not going to hit 12 threes every game. You're not going to be the number one team. You can't expect them to win by 30 every game. Okay? They don't bring their A game every game. Okay? Oklahoma State has socked up to this point, or at least for the last couple weeks. I think they put up 41 at home, followed by like a 45-point game at home right after that. Let's see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. West Virginia at home. They put up 41 points at home. Then they went to TCU and put up 40 again. Okay, They had lost, well, they had lost four in a row coming into this game. And Baylor made it five in a row yesterday. So my point is, when you play poorly on the road and you still win, that's a good thing. That shows you got a little bit of balls. Okay, a little bit of heart. And... Baylor's going to be number one in my poll again You know, this week, barring, let's see who they play in. They probably play somebody Tuesday night, I would imagine. Uh, tomorrow night, they'll play Oklahoma uh, at home. So they should win that game. We'll, we'll see what happens. Now, if they come out flat again tomorrow, uh, maybe a little cause for concern. But then again, be the second game in probably 51 hours, which the Big 12 really likes to do this year. I'm going to talk about that uh, in an article that I'm going to release tomorrow. <clears throat> um, so... To play poorly on the road, still get the win, that, that's a good thing. Now, if you go to Stillwater and you lose by 15, you play like shit, 
Okay, now that, that raises some red flags. But to go in there, play flat, get punched right in the mouth all first half for 20 minutes and then come back, be resilient and, and, and show some, some perseverance and, and forge ahead and get that win on the road in a conference game, that's impressive to me. That's not disappointing to me. Um, your, your level of play may have been disappointing, but you still got the wins. So that's more impressive than it is disappointing. Uh, Florida State, uh, in Miami, uh, inter, interconference, interstate game, or intrastate. I don't know. I don't know. Uh, Florida State gets to win 83-79 in overtime. Devin Vassell, career high, 23 points. Uh, he did have 11 rebounds in this game. I think I read earlier today. Over his last half a dozen games, ten games, something like that, averaging nineteen and nine or eighteen and nine, something. Like, I mean, he's just he's completely unconscious right now. Uh, Chris likes doing his usual Chris likes thing. Uh, cost me the Florida State cover. I had Florida State minus six in this game. <clears throat> MJ Walker had, I believe, nineteen points in the second half in overtime after going scoreless in the first half. He picked up two quick fouls. Uh, you know, Malik Osborne had a big play either. I want to say it was in the late of the second half. I don't believe that happened in overtime. But, the, you know, Trent Forrest had a Trent Forrest game, played well. One of the best, you know, point guards in the nation. And, you know, Florida State keeps plugging on. I'm going to release my power rankings today, and you can expect a new number one. And you can probably guess who it's going to be, considering I already said it on Jonathan's podcast on Friday night. Again, check me out, Making the Madness. We talked about fucking everything on that podcast. So, been around the world this week. I did 92 minutes on this podcast last week. I was on the Rockin' 25 pregame show uh, on Friday afternoon. And we, uh, you know, it was just me and Haslam that day, so... We talked about everything. Uh, I actually talked about Stanford, complimented them, and then they promptly lose. And then Friday evening, I was on Making the Madness with Jonathan Warner, and we talked about everything and predicted, shit, a dozen, 15 games coming into the weekend. And I don't know what my record was, but it was very bad. Syracuse goes to Castle Coliseum, gets a win on the road, 71-69 over Virginia Tech. Buddy Bayheim was ridiculous in this game. <clears throat> I don't know how many threes he hit, but it was a bunch. Uh, timely, uh, Landers Nolly, not a great game. Um, <clears throat> Jalen Cohen had a fantastic game off the bench for Virginia Tech. Um, you know, Virginia Tech had a shot to win the game at the end of regulation. Landers Nolly, I don't know, six seconds left, took, takes a deep three, which, which Mike Young, this is why people love Mike Young. Mike Young drew up a play. They took a timeout. I think it was six or seven seconds left. Take a timeout. It goes across the court, comes back. Nolly cuts to the top of the key, not the top of the key, the top of the uh, three-point line, just above the foul line, and launches a 26-footer, roughly, and bricks it. He, he was kind of off all game. And uh, in the press conference after the game, Coach Mike Young says, yeah, I drew up exactly what we, what we, what we ran. Now, do I believe that's what they ran? No. Nolly shot the ball with a good three or four seconds left on the clock. But, uh, you know, Mike Young's not going to hang him up to dry. He's not going to chastise him in public. They're going to work on it in practice. They're going to come back, and they're going to be better. You know, Virginia Tech now sits at 13-5. and five. I think they're going to probably get to 17-5, and five, maybe 17-16-6 and uh, 16 and six here at the end of their next stretch. So I, I still think Virginia Tech is in a pretty good spot to make the tournament. We'll see how the, things go. Uh, going around again. Oklahoma takes care of TCU. Not a huge shock there. I guess we'll get into the ACC now. We already got into the uh, Virginia Tech game again and the Florida State game. So real quick, let's take a look at. All right, let's take a look at this fucking game from last night. Um, 
Georgia Tech hosts Virginia last night, okay? It was a pick em, I think. I got, I got it at a pick, and I think Ken Palm had it, Virginia minus one. <clears throat> Games in Atlanta, okay, in McCamish. And it's just predictable. This is the game was an example of of excellent coaching with mediocre talent against the team with poor coaching with a team that has more talent than their opposition, not by a lot, okay, but by I, I think Georgia Tech has more individual talent on their team than Virginia does. Okay, uh, Jay Huff is is you know a better offensive player I think, but but James Banks is a damn good center. He's right behind him if he, if he's not better than him. I think Mamadi Diakite is the best player on the floor for these two teams from last night. But Moses Wright not not way behind him. Obviously Diakite can shoot, and somebody really should tell Moses that he can't shoot. He made a three last night, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> Jordan Usher and Braxton Key. Braxton Key is obviously the better player there. Mike DeVoe and either Casey Morsell or Wilden Tenside. DeVoe is the better player there. And then Kia Clark and Jose Alvarado. I think Jose Alvarado is probably the better player overall. Kia Clark is probably the better defensive player, I think. That that much is clear. Maybe takes care of the ball a little bit better. Which, by those two metrics, maybe Kia Clark's a better player. But it's, you know, you got the, the more talented team with a poor coach at home. Okay, this game was played in Atlanta in front of a what looked to be a pretty pretty good-sized crowd. I had a buddy in the stands there. I, he, he hasn't said one way or the other whether or not uh, you know it was actually packed. But they had the Final Four team there from 1990 signing autographs. Kremens was in the house, gave a speech at halftime, signing autographs, giving away TVs. They made a big deal out of this. And they come out and, I, you know, let's take a look. I, they, I know they shot 61% in the first half. I was I was writing some articles and fucking off basically during this entire game because you, you could see it. First five minutes of the game, you can see it. They're they're playing Virginia's game. They had eighteen turnovers. Okay, I don't know how many they had in the first half, but it was a good bit. You know, Michael Devoe, five turnovers, had what three shots. Michael Devoe had three shots last night. Okay. What is that? The single most offensively talented perimeter player you have playing against a pack line defense that dares you to make threes. They can't get it done. Can't come up with a game plan to get Michael DeVoe open threes against the defense that wants you to shoot threes. What is that? I don't know. I, I just don't know. I mean, I've checked out on this coach, on this not on the team. I, you know, I love the guys. I think it's a great group of guys. You follow them on on Instagram. They just they're always having fun. Maybe they're having too much fun. Maybe that's it. This coach is not the answer. This program that it's it's Rutgers has a better basketball program than Georgia Tech right now. Let that sink in. Washington State right there. You know, Washington State has made a quality coaching hire. Now they're going to surpass you. Georgia Tech is in line to be the worst power conference team in Division One, Power 5 conference team in Division One, Because Wake Forest isn't going to be down forever. I guarantee that. The next hire they make, when they hire Wes Miller in a year, probably a year from this spring, I would imagine, if he's not gone already. But when they hire Wes Miller in a year, they're going to have their coach, and he's going to be successful. He's going to bring talent to Winston-Salem. 
and Georgia Tech's going to be standing there with Josh Pastner wondering why they're winning, uh, losing home games in front of a packed crowd, in front of a Final Four team from 30 years ago. I don't have I don't have the answer anymore. I just it is what it is when it comes to this program, and it's terrible. Going into the six o'clock game for yesterday, Louisville traveled to Durham to take on the Duke Blue Devils. It's the first game these teams have hooked up for since Louisville blew that twenty three point lead at the Yum Center against the Blue Devils last year. Not so fast, my friend. Uh, Louisville jumps all over. Duke in the first half. I'm not sure what the biggest, largest lead of the night. 25 to 10 jumped on him early. Went for the neck right off the tip. 25 to 10 led at the half. 42 to 32. Duke did come back. I believe they tied the game at one point, um, but never actually took the lead in the second half. Uh, Jordan Wara had an off game. Only six points, eight rebounds. But uh, you know Louisville. Did what we needed, what we all had said that Louisville needs to do. They won a game on the road in the ACC when Jordan Ward didn't have a great game. That's that's big time. And and you know the biggest thing that happened was David Johnson, who had a great game in Louisville's previous game against Pittsburgh, which we're going to talk about that game here in just a second as well. He followed that up with a 19.7 assist performance. Also had a couple blocks, had three steals, had four rebounds. This kid's a bona fide star. Now, he did get hurt last night, which let's take a look. I actually haven't put that down on anything yet. Let's take a look at the old interweb machine here. Um, he looked like he was favoring the, uh, he had a surgically repaired labrum. In the offseason, that's what kept him out for the first few games of the season. And he sat out the last couple minutes favoring that that shoulder a little bit. And I'm not sure. It doesn't... I don't see anything where he re-injured it. So, And he did actually attend the post-game news conference last night. So I'll, I'll follow that up and I'll tweet something out at ACC Barrel 1 if I can find one. Well, you know, whether or not he was healthy or whether or not he's actually hurt, kind of what the follow-up is. Malik Williams goes to the line, hits a couple free throws late in that game, and then gets a steal, breakaway dunk to kind of seal the game. It, it was a nice effort. Dar- I, you know, Darius Perry, you know, you look at the stat line, you may not be impressed, but the three-pointer that he hit was pretty impressive. Uh, Fresh Kimball... Uh, doing frustrating fresh Kimball things towards the end of the game, drives into nowhere, going nowhere fast, turns the ball over, gave Duke an opportunity. But, you know, it, luckily they were able to pull through. Uh, Dwayne Sutton, 13-5. Now, Cassius Stanley was a fucking machine in this game. 24-11, and 11, uh, only three turnovers in the game. He was hitting three. Well, yeah, he, oh, he's one for seven from three. He's, I thought he made more than that watching the game, but maybe not. Um, <clears throat> he's turning himself into a bona fide player. You know, of these freshmen that came in, I thought he was the least likely to lead this team in scoring. But right now, he is—he's he, their go-to guy. Joey Baker uh, had kind of an attitude last night due to some due to a couple different circumstances, and uh, I just this game was interesting. I didn't think there was any chance that Duke would lose two in a row. Certainly, the second game being at Cameron, I thought. You know, maybe last year's game would live in Louisville's head, you know, with Nora and Sutton, Darius Perry, Stephen Enoch. All those guys were there, Malik Williams. Um, but it didn't. I mean, Louisville really dominated this game for most of the game. Duke did make that run towards the end, but uh, couldn't quite get over the hump as Louisville just, you know, made plays, made timely plays when they needed to. Uh, Trey Jones didn't shoot the ball particularly well, but did have a pretty good game overall. Vernon Carey, <clears throat> you know, 12 points, 6 boards, did have 4 turnovers, but... Uh, 
you know, not a great game from him, but like I said, this this game is more about Louisville than Duke. Duke's going to be fine. I think Duke is, you know, still a Final Four caliber team, but Louisville may be turning the corner. I've used that term way too much in this episode, but <clears throat> looks like there's a possibility they may have found some things that work. And if David Johnson is is going to, you know, plug that hole that is their point guard spot, Louisville is going to be, uh, you know, a much better team going forward. Um, talking about the Louisville game before, <clears throat> now I talked about this with Jonathan, so if this is repetitious to you guys, if you guys listen to his and mine, I apologize, but we talked about the refereeing, the officiating in the Louisville-Pittsburgh game, uh, that went to overtime earlier this week, Louisville won 73-68, to uh, if you watch that game, you know, late in the game, uh, Terrell Brown gets a tip in to tie the game, I believe, I can't remember, if, I think it was in regulation, it was before they went to overtime. And is called for a foul that just simply was not there. Um, and the thing that bothers me the most is the term unreviewable. Well, that's 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 terrible because that that should be a reviewable play. That has a that impacted this game. And as much as we go to the monitor now, you can't review that play. If you're going to have replay, get it right. You know, go to the Kentucky-Arkansas game from yesterday, okay? Kentucky has, I I don't remember who the player was. Kentucky's player has the ball in the the short corner. Two guys, two Arkansas guys around him. One of them is facing him, reaches in, ties him up. Well, in order to avoid the jump ball, the Kentucky player rips the ball away. And the other Arkansas player is standing behind him. Well, when he rips the ball away, his elbow comes up and catches the other kid in the nose or in the in the face somewhere. And they called a flagrant on him. And they sent the other so there's 30 or 49 seconds left. I can't remember what the what the time limit was at this point in the game, but one, that's a basketball play. That shouldn't be you shouldn't receive any discipline for something like that. Two, they spent fucking 20 minutes at the monitor, killing the flow of the game, killing the crowd, killing everything. And then made the wrong call. And the officiating has been so bad this year. It is absolutely reprehensible. And I don't know. I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I know what the solution is. But it needs to get better. I know that. I mean, it's negatively impacting the game in a season in which the basketball is not at a high level to begin with. So that needs to change. The, the situations in which you can use replay, that needs to change. Because earlier in the game, the same official called a phantom, a phantom foul call on Xavier Johnson. When he missed the floater and then ran kind of like a, a circle or a U around the player who got the rebound, just ran by him and they called him for a foul. Never touched him, never reached in, never did nothing. And then you got these officials that think it's all about them, and they're dancing up the court. The the guy that called the foul on Terrell Brown, his name is Mike Stevens. He, you know, did the mamba up the sideline, or the mambo. Is it the mamba? La bamba? Mambo? Yeah, mambo. Mambo for sure. The mambo king. The mambo king did the mambo up the sideline. You know, pointing the other way like he's making a fucking charge call. Which I agree with Jay Bill. It's one of the few things that I agree on is if you change that to a to a rub your belly kind of signal for a foul, you'll see fewer of them. You know, MJ Walker, for as high as I've been on him lately, he took a foul against Cam McGusty yesterday in the, in the Miami game where McGusty 
would have had more of an impact on MJ if he would have blew in his face. Okay? MJ just falls down. Like he got hit with a gunshot from fucking three feet away. And they bought it and they and they and they reward it. Well, the flop rule's in place, right? If you're gonna do it, do it right. I mean, do something right. Do replay right. Do charges right. Do do something right. Because what they're doing right now is all wrong, in my opinion. It's just the the calls are wrong, the replays are wrong, the situations in which you can use replay are wrong. The the showmanship from the officials are wrong. Not making them available to the media after the game is wrong. Not making them accountable for their actions in public. The way we make 19-year-old kids accountable for their actions in-game to the public 10 minutes after they lose a championship game is wrong. Okay, let's do it right if we're going to do it at all. And that's going to be the end of that rant. Let's see. Other ACC games that took place yesterday... Lost my place. Lost my place here. Uh, no, that was from that was from the other day. Bear with me, people. I'm gonna get it together here in just a second. I, I got lost in my own foolishness there for a second. Boston College did not play yesterday. Clemson, NC State, and Clemson. Um, not shocking. Clemson goes on the road to Raleigh, loses to NC State. I thought you know sixty to fifty four. <clears throat> Amir Sims with another solid game. Uh, Double-double, 18-11. Uh, you know, Tevin Mack continuing to do Tevin Mack things. 0-7 for 7 from 3. Uh, Alamir Dawes, not a good game yesterday. Clyde Trapp continues to play very poorly. Um, I, the, the good thing, the wonderful thing about this is I've been, I've been kind of beating on NC State for a couple weeks now. Okay? You guys had an excuse. Okay, C.J. Bryce out with a concussion. You guys had an excuse. You guys ain't got no more excuses. Okay, didn't play fantastic yesterday. Okay, but played all forty minutes. Okay, played all forty minutes. Had eleven points. Had nine rebounds. Did have four turnovers. I'm willing to forgive that. As should you. Um, the biggest concern I think coming from this game, or actually one one of the observations, is I don't have. Where's the where's the box score? Let's see. Yeah, I thought so. Braxton Beverly only played seven minutes in this game. I was thinking I didn't see. Now, I know Manny Bates got hit in the head early in the game, and he was out. Um, I don't know what happened with Beverly. I'm not sure if he was hurt. No, I mean, oh, that's right. He hit that corner three. Okay. Oh, that was from last year. I don't fucking know. Um, I thought, you know, sometimes I see replays and I think they're the game because I, I, I'm sure if you guys see at ACC Bear 1, I've got um, three TVs up in the man cave upstairs. I got uh, two 46s and a, like a 25 or something like that on the wall. So at all times, I'm watching three different games. I got, you know, two TVs muted, one TV on. Sometimes they show replays and I think that's what happened in the game because I'm not really paying attention. But, um,. <clears throat> Anyway, Braxton Beverly, I don't know what happened to him, so keep an eye on that. Keep an eye on Manny Bates, only played six minutes yesterday. Uh, took a hit to the head. I think he should be fine, unless he got a concussion. I'm not sure if that's the case or not. But if he did, that would just be that would just be terrible, because C.J. Bryce just came back from a concussion, then you lose you know, the, the leading shot blocker in the ACC took a possible concussion. I will get on that. Again, if I find anything on that, I will tweet it out at ACCBR1. Um, but regardless, NC State moves to 13-5, 4-3 in the ACC. 
given the Virginia Tech loss as well, I, you know, I know a lot of guys, a lot of guys that I like and respect, Brian Ralph in particular on the Bustin' Brackets podcast last week, said that, you know, more, more likely he's looking, I mean, he's looking at the ACC as a three-bid league right now with, um, with uh, Louisville, Florida State, and Duke. <clears throat> I, I, I'm not going to go way against that. I think that's logical. Those three teams are going to be locks. Those three teams are going to be in the tournament. But I think given Virginia Tech's schedule moving forward, the Hokies have a really good shot at an at-large bid. And I think if C.J. Bryce is going to be in the game and you know Manny Bates and, and Braxton Beverly aren't actually injured, which, again, I'll take a look for that after the, after the show, um, NC State is one of the most talented teams in the conference on paper. And I, I think that that, that that five makes sense to me right now. Uh, that five being, you know, Duke, Florida State, Louisville, NC State, Virginia Tech. Uh, not a typical year in uh, in the ACC by any means, but I think those five have a legitimate chance. You know, destiny's in their own hands, obviously, but I think they have a legitimate chance to uh, to make the tournament. Syracuse is a team that I think could make the tournament as well uh, when they play the way they played yesterday. Um I just, I mean, Elijah Hughes is legit number one in the ACC. Um, when but if Buddy Beheim is going to shoot anywhere near the way he shot yesterday, then I mean, Syracuse is going to be difficult to handle. The other interesting thing from that game yesterday was Jim Beheim dressed down Barama Sidibe, what what felt like half a dozen times, and at one point Sidibe started giving it back to him. And I don't know if they have that type of relationship, but I don't even know if Coach K has that type of relationship with 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 um, with Coach Beheim, so that was interesting to see. Sidibe continued to play, so I'm assuming everything's fine. But Beheim's been on Sidibe multiple times this season. We'll see where it goes. Maybe it's a motivational thing. You know, I don't know the kid, so maybe maybe he he's got that that personality where he can take it, and it kind of motivates him to play better. Uh, the other note from yesterday's game of Virginia Tech is Quincy Garrier was. You know, fantastic, I thought. Uh, 24 minutes, he only had five points, but he did have nine rebounds. He had a really nice move on the right-hand block. I'm not sure if it was, I think it was the second half, but I'm not sure. But, uh, you know, kind of drove, spun into the lane, kind of laid it in. Just kind of out-athleted a guy uh, on the block. And if, if he can get going, if he can become a weapon, you know, if he can give them some kind of wrinkle on offense, that's going to go a long way to Syracuse trying to hunt down uh, another NCAA tournament while they're, Absolutely going to sit on the bubble. Syracuse is going to be on the bubble again this year. 11-7, 4-3 in the ACC. But this year is going to be 30 teams on the bubble. Bubble Watch is actually going to be fun this year. I don't know how Seth Greenberg is going to do it. He's going to have... He's gonna have 118 teams in this tournament this year, but uh, you know it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting. I'm actually looking forward to. I'm starting to embrace the craziness because the madness isn't in March this year. The madness started in December. Okay, actually the madness started before that. It started when Florida lost like the first week of the season. Um, so embrace the madness. It's gonna be bad for your betting account. So if you're a wagering person like I am, maybe maybe put that on hold. You know, save that for. Maybe invest in some teasers. Teasers might be the way to go in a year this year. I know that Chimp's going to listen to this and he's going to fucking blasphemy. You don't—he doesn't believe in teasers, so I do. I, I make money on teasers sometimes. Some weeks it's the only time I make money. But um, uh, a little dry today, a little parched. Uh, you know, moving forward, what do we got for a game today? We got one game today, right? It's got to be a Wake Forest game. Let's check that out real quick. What do we got? 
Hey guys, uh, any guys watched that fight last night? All 40 seconds of it cost you 80 bucks. Glad I passed. Let's see. Uh, you know, I really want a cowboy just to knock the fucking piss out of Connor and shut him up for a minute. But, you know, Connor is the way Connor is for a reason. So, ah, uh, yes. The battle for the bottom today, huh? Boston College travels to Winston Salem. Um,. <laughs> All right, so let's wrap up the show on this. <clears throat> a little preview. I know I gave you guys a lock last, was it last Sunday? What was my lock? I think it was the Pittsburgh game, right? Yeah, Pittsburgh at Miami. Miami plays no defense. Pittsburgh's going to go in there and slap them around, right? Miami won 66-58. Um, <clears throat> by the way, Chris Likes, again, I, I've, I've said it three or four times this year on Twitter. Chris Likes was 6'4", would be the number one pick in the NBA draft. Anthony Edwards wouldn't be able to hold a candle to 6'5", Chris Likes. Okay, Chris Likes is, you know, Mr. Hyde to 5'7", Chris Likes, Dr. Jekyll. You know, that's how that's how that is. Just bigger, badder, stronger, and he'd probably tell you all about it, which 5'7", Chris Likes has, has an attitude anyway. But you imagine what the attitude would be on 6'5", Chris Likes? Holy moly. I'd pay for that ticket. Anyway, <clears throat> Boston College at Wake Forest. Boston College nine and eight, three and three in the league. On the road, eight and eight, one and five. Wake Forest. You know, I'm a gut guy. You know, I, I have one. That's how I bet. Um, I, I want to take Boston College on the road. Derek Thornton's back. Not that that's necessarily a great thing because they got slapped around um, by Syracuse when he came back, lost by 26. That was on the road, but. Uh, on the road, Winston Salem. You know, Brandon Childress has been terrible, terrible lately. I think in his last three games, I want to check this right now. Last three ACC games, I think he's put up 22 shots total. Uh, let's see. Put up eight, which eight in the game is way too few. Eight there, six in the, so that's 14. Yeah, I know this is all stuff I should have looked up before I go live, but I think that's part of my charm. 16 and then 12 more so <clears throat> 28 shots which is about what 9.3 a game 9.3 shots per game for brandon childers on this wake forest team no bueno mi amigo no bueno no good sir um yeah and boston college defense is, is pretty decent uh you know un, un underratedly decent I, I would say i don't have synergy pulled up right in front of me right now but i do know that they rank in the very good quote-unquote range so i'm gonna take what's the spread we'll do it by ken palm ken palm's got an eight point spread in favor of wake forest oh god boston college plus eight at wake forest yeah 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 give me boston college to cover all day in fact i'm going over to mybookie.ag right now i'm gonna place that bet um which you know they're not a sponsor but god damn it they should be if any of you guys know anybody over there yeah, a little bug in there maybe yeah, yeah. all right guys uh Again, I'm you know we did, went around the world. We talked about the officiating. We talked about the ACC and what we expect moving forward. I think I'm going to wrap it up right there. I'm not going to go for the 92 minutes that I did last week. Uh, we'll cut it off at 40. I hope you guys enjoy. I am Michael Hunter. Don't forget like, rate, review, share the podcast. Uh, I don't know what the numbers are lately. I actually haven't checked since I came back, which I should probably do that. That should be something I care about. I think. But uh, follow me at ACCBR1. I will be sure to be better about putting out my wagering previews for the rest of the season for NUP solutions that we sell to different and various websites. 
uh, done pretty well, like I said, so far, or not so far, but lately has done has done very well. So I try to get that out there, make you guys some money. Um, some of these gut handicap picks that I make on the show don't tend to do so well. I do better when I actually break down the numbers, which seems logical, you would think. But uh, again, if you guys want to, also, one more thing that I forgot. I uh, started this thing, Mary Boff Kill, okay? It is a variation of Mary Fuck Kill. Uh, that we're going to do at ACCBR for the rest of the season. All you need to do is contact me at accbasketballreport at gmail.com with three teams or three players, okay? And it's just, and I'll write an article on it, Mary Fuck Kill, on, on accbasketballreport.com. I'll give my takes on all of them. We call it Mary Boff Kill because it's just a little bit safer on Twitter. doesn't turn people off. People love to unfollow me on Twitter. It's it's an epidemic. I, I've never seen anything like it. I could I could tweet out that the roses in my backyard smell fantastically rosy and seven people would unfollow me it's it's really strange but anyway so do that accbasketballreport.gmail.com check out my power rankings later it should be tweeted out on um out on twitter at accbr and i will continue to look for that injury news on manny bates and braxton beverly and i will get that stuff out to you as well again five star reviews leave me you know constructive criticism or nice comments you guys can say nice things as well uh especially you virginia fans i really need to hear it from you guys so you know i've been in your corner for a long time you know i was right in the preseason okay i was correct in the preseason about the direction of this team this season show me a little love show your boy some love all right this has been acc basketball report i'm michael hunter at accbr1 on twitter love it